Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. Adventures of the Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not change. We all know the government is attempting to conserve rubber for the war effort. One way of accomplishing this important objective is by rationing gasoline. Another is the recommended 25% cut in truck mileage. The success of this plan depends greatly upon you. It means that as a consumer, you must cooperate with the man who delivers merchandise to your door. It means, in connection with coal deliveries, that you can get good service if you notify your blue coal dealer in advance so that he can set up a schedule to fulfill your heating requirements for the entire season. In this way, he'll be able to plan his trip. He can make one trip due for several homes. And everyone will be warm and comfortable this winter. The Shadow, serious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Crenshaw, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Death Shoots an Arrow. All right, Chris, to go on in, Cardona? We have an appointment with the commissioner. Go right ahead, Miss Lane, Mr. Cranston. Boss alone. Thank you. Now, me, Margot. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, Commissioner, but my name is Cranston. Miss uh, Lane and I thought we had a dinner engagement with you. Yes, and don't look now, but it's almost half past eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I forgot. I've been studying this letter that just came by special delivery. It's anonymous. Anonymous? Yes, it worries me. It's about old Ben Marlowe and his family. Would you like to see it? Yes, I certainly would. Well, the words cut out of newspapers and pasted on common stationery. Well, yeah. well, read it, Lamont. All right. Dear Commissioner, a great danger now hangs over the home of Benjamin Morrow. The blow may fall at any moment. You can do nothing to stop it. A friend, probably some crank or a criminal, tipping you off and defying you. You know, criminals like to feel wise and superior. Who is Mr. Marlowe? I seem to know that name. Oh, Marlowe's a grand old guy. Used to be rich, but he's broke now. Sick, too. Hasn't been able to walk for the last year. He lives in his old house with a grandson and granddaughter, I think. Wow. He's had a lot of fun in his time, anyway. Tried every hobby there is, from archery to yacht racing. Well, it's late now. I'll go out and see him in the morning. Nothing will happen overnight. I wouldn't be too sure, Commissioner. Nonsense, Cranston. 
Well, come on, Miss Lane. Where shall we go for dinner? Grandfather should be asleep instead of playing that silly flute. Oh, who's there? Who is it? It is Ando, Miss Enid. You startled me. What do you mean, hiding there in the corner? Ando, listen. Music. You listen too much around here. Usually there's something you're not meant to hear. Not good to hate Ando. That sounds like a pet. I don't know why my cousin ever brought you from Guatemala in the first place. Go along. Ando, go, Miss Enid. Well. Come. Oh, come in, Enid. Was it you talking outside? Ando was standing there listening to you play. Huh. That savage would kill you as soon as look at you. He gives me the shivers. Yes. I've been uh, practicing on my flute. Well, it's getting a bit rusty. Grandfather. Now, what's the matter? How did you get the flute? I left it on the mantelpiece. You can't walk. Who got it for you? Why, uh, no one. Right here beside me. I'm sure it wasn't, Grandfather. Oh, nonsense, child. Very well. I came to say good night, Grandfather. <laughs> then it must be eight o'clock. <laughs> As you always come right on the dot. I believe in doing things on schedule. Uh, I suppose you have to when you do all the work in a huge house like this. Uh, how about your cousin lending you a hand? Howard's busy hunting a job. <laughs> he should have held on to the one he had in Guatemala. Oh, it wasn't his fault they let him out. Maybe. Oh, uh, are you and Howard having your usual game of chess tonight? Yes, we are. Like a couple of old folkies promptly at 8.30. In the library, as usual? I suppose so. A young girl like you staying at home every night. Now, you ought to be gay, having a good time. Well, my dear, perhaps we won't always be broke. No, you won't stay at home and play chess with Howard all your life. <laughs> I still have a few tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> What is it, Enid? Did you give Grandfather his flute tonight? No, I didn't. Why? Oh, nothing. Are you ready to play, Howard? I have the chessmen all set up. I suppose so, Enid. But uh, would you think it's silly if I asked you to change seats with me? Why, Howard? Changing seats? Well, no, it's not that. It's, it's just that with my back to the French windows, I can't get my mind on the game. Enid, I have a constant feeling that someone is standing behind me outside in the orchard. Oh, how silly of you. Of course I'll change chairs if it'll make you feel any easier. Thank you. There. I don't know what's the matter with you, Howard, just because you lost your job in Guatemala. Enid, I wasn't fired. I ran away. Ran away? To keep from being murdered. That's ridiculous. I don't expect you to believe it. Nobody up here would believe it. Wouldn't believe what? Enid, when you're down there, the jungle lies all about you, dark and slimy and full of evil. You hear faint voices... Whispers, the barest echo of mocking laughter. But you never know where they come from. You never see the people who make them. Howard, for goodness sake, try to talk sensibly. Now, what is all this about? Have you ever heard of the Mariposas? They're a strange cult, strange and sinister. Like a fool, I wouldn't believe there were regions sacred to them. I sent men in there to cut mahogany. And then I received the death warning. The death warning? The mark of a cloven hoof. 
in the earth just outside my window. <laughs> oh, Clovenhoe. Oh, Howard. <laughs> Honestly, you're funny. That was probably made by a cow. One Clovenhoe mark. Only one. No other marks around it. All right, then someone was playing a joke on you. I wish it were a joke. Well, and even if it were true, you're a thousand miles away from there now. A thousand miles, ten thousand miles. It would make no difference. They had their own way of tracking you down. Tracking you down and killing you. No. I tell you, you can't escape them ever. Only this morning I saw it again. The mark of the Clovenhoof outside my window. Howard, don't talk like this. Or people will think you're insane. I know. I tried to keep it to myself, but... Now, let's start the game. It's half past eight. Ain't it? Great heavens, look outside. Ain't it? Look out. Howard, what is it? It came through the window. An arrow. Sticking in the wall. They're here, Ain't it? They're after me. Kill me. Howard. Oh, he's fainted. Grandfather. 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 Ando, wait here. Someone must come to three. This someone. Come now. Wait. <clears throat> Ando, no. You try to kill. You give Ando money, much money, or Ando tell. But put Ando down. Down, down. No, don't kill me. Don't kill me. Oh, die. Well, Miss Lane... Find anything on the menu you'd like for dessert? Anything? Oh, goodness, I find too many things. And all fattening. <laughs> Lamont, what are you having for dessert? Oh, nothing, thanks, sir. Black coffee, though. Oh, what ails him, Miss Lane? He hasn't spoken for a half hour. Well, if I know the signs, he's worried. Aren't you, Lamont? Confounded, look who's coming. Cardona. Oh, excuse me, Commissioner. Oh, what's happened? A nutty phone call, a Miss Marlowe call. Marlowe? Yeah, she said something awful had happened. Wouldn't tell me what it was. Come on, Lamont. Let's go out there. Coming, Mongo. Oh, wild horses couldn't keep me here. Let's hurry, Commissioner. Or we may regret it. Mr. Williams, you're not seriously suggesting that these, uh, what do you call them? Mariposas, Commissioner. Yeah, you can't believe they followed you all the way from Central America to shoot an arrow through your library window. They meant to kill me. And they will. I don't expect you to believe Oh, some kid in the neighborhood has a bow and arrow, and a shot went wild. I find that hard to believe, Commissioner. And Miss Marlowe, you two were playing chess when the arrow flew in? Yes. Howard upset the chess men when he got up. Yes, I see. From the direction they fell, I surmise Mr. Williams was facing the window. Yes. Usually I sit there, but tonight we changed about. Why? I was nervous with my back to the window. And Mr. Williams, did you see anything outside the window? Yes. I saw a moth out there. A moth? A giant white moth fluttered there. And beyond it? Yes, go on. That dark face seemed to float just beyond the glass. A man? They're not really men, I tell you. You mean the mariposas, Mr. Williams? Yes, yes. Miss Marlowe, what did you do after the arrow appeared? I went and phoned you, Commissioner. What did Mr. Williams do? Oh, he... He had... If you must know, I fainted. Uh, yes, yes. He regained consciousness just as your car came up the drive. You went right to the phone? No. First I went and knocked on Grandfather's door, but he didn't answer. I thought he was asleep. So I went to the extension phone in the upstairs hall and put in my call. You didn't look in to see if your grandfather was sleeping? The door was locked on the inside. Miss Marlowe, if your grandfather can't walk, how can he lock his door on the inside? I've 
I believe that he can walk a little, so he won't admit it. I see. Then you can't swear that Mr. Marlowe was in his room. Why, he must have been. There's no one else in the house besides you three? There's Ondo, an Indian servant I brought back from Guatemala. He could have shot the arrow. But he's always been so faithful. I despise him, and so does Grandfather. Oh, I see. Uh, Miss Marlowe, what's beyond the French windows? The old orchard. Let's go out by the window and take a look, Lamont. You're coming, Margot? Yes, indeed. Now, be careful, Mama. It's dark out here. All right. Ooh, it's windy, too. Storm coming up, Lamont. Yes. Well, I think we ought to round up that servant and ask him a few questions. Right. But um, let's take a look outside here first. An Indian and arrows, they go together. But if you insist on wandering around an orchard, I'll humor you. Here, flash your light on the ground there. There you are. No footprints. No human footprints, but what do you make of this? Well, a couple of triangular marks. What is it? The mark of a hoof, Weston. A cloven hoof. Oh, cloven hoof, my eye. Next thing you'll be saying, it's a death warning. Perhaps it is. Well, Mom, do you mean that Howard Williams is really in danger? Grave danger, Margo. Well, maybe that Ando is stalking him. Hey, where are you two going? Down into the orchard, Weston. Oh, I'm... Mom, this place could be the creep. What are you looking for, anyway? A certain tree... Must be in this direction. There are plenty of apple trees here, and the probably... Ah! Marlo, what is it? Oh, I stumbled over a body. Steady, Margo. What's wrong? What have you found? The Indian. He's dead. Look at the arrow sticking in his chest. Yes, Margo. He was stabbed with this arrow. Stabbed through the heart. <laughs> In a moment, we'll return to the shadow. Right now, let's consider the case of a typical householder who has solved his fuel problem for the winter. Just how did you go about that, Mr. Smith? Well, first thing I did was figure out how much coal I need every month. I did that by looking up the bills for last year and working it out according to months. That's fine. The coal dealers tell me that even if you can give them a fairly close idea without being absolutely accurate, it will help a lot. Well, the closer the better, I figured. But I went down to the basement and estimated how much coal I had on hand. Had about um, half a ton at the time. That's not a great deal. Were you worried about running out? <laughs> yes, I was. But after I talked to my blue coal dealer, I felt a lot better. I gave him all the information, and he said he'd see that I was taken care of. And how has it worked out, sir? Fine. First rate. The blue coal dealer sees that I always have enough on hand to keep the furnace going, and <laughs> that's good enough for me. The way I look at it, we're all in this together. Back to the shadow. Lamont, this case is crazy. Our only suspect killed. I wonder. Margo, will you go and stay with Enid Marlowe? It's important. Why, yes, of course, Lamont. Uh, come upstairs, Lamont. I want to check the location of the phone Enid used. All right, Commissioner. Uh, you see, um, Enid and Howard can't have done that killing. They were together when it happened. Afterwards, he was out cold and she was phoning. Uh, so she says. Yeah. Hey, Lamont. Could old Ben Marlowe be mixed up in this? Well, since he can walk, he's a suspect. Yeah. And why should he want to keep his being able to walk a secret? I don't know. Oh, uh, there's the phone he had used. Yeah, we've got a murder, but there's no sense to it. I think Andu knew something and was killed to silence him. Let's have a talk with Mr. Marlowe. All right. And which is his room? Well, this is the only door that's closed. I'll knock. Try the door. 
It's not locked now. Well, come in, come in, come in. Eh? What's the matter? What in time ails? Why, Weston, what are you doing here? Lamont Cranston. Uh, Mr. Marlowe, there's been a little scare here. Your granddaughter called me. Uh, have you been asleep, Mr. Marlowe? Uh, yes, yes, for an hour at least. Uh, what's happened? An arrow was shot through your library window. It nearly hit Enid Marlowe. That Indian. I warned Howard and her he'd kill him as soon as look at them. Mr. Morrow, what's this? I just found a tuck between the wall and the head of your bed. I don't know. It looks like a boot. Yes. Look, Commissioner. Mm -hmm. A boot that leaves a print. Like a cloven hoof. Hondo must have stuck it there while I was sleeping. How could he when your door was locked? Why... It wasn't locked. Marlowe, you hated this servant. What would you say if I told you we just found him in the orchard, stabbed to death? I'd say good riddance. That's what I'd say. Mr. Morrow, we learned tonight that you can walk and are keeping it a secret. That's my business. Then, Marlowe, I'll have to arrest no, you. No, wait, Commissioner. Don't act yet. We need to know something else. I have all the outrages. Send my niece to me. I want my lawyer. Marlowe is busy now, sir. I'll tell her in a little while. Come along, Lamont. Commissioner, I'll have your scalp for this. Lamont Ben Marlowe's lying about that locked door. He can walk, he knows archery, he hated the Indian, and he killed him. Why shouldn't I arrest him? Because I want you to arrest Enid Marlowe at once. Lamont, you're crazy. I'll do nothing of the sort. The police are gone, Enid? Yes, Howard. All of them? I believe so. I'll go to bed. I'm exhausted. I'm going to sit here and read a while. I'm not sleepy. Well, don't stay down too long. Only another half hour. That's long enough. Good night. Good night, Edna. Now, where's my book? Oh, here it is. What's that? Someone's oh, at the French windows. Who's there? Don't be frightened, Miss Morrow. It's Lamont Cranston. Oh, I couldn't imagine who... Sorry to break in on you like this, Miss Marlowe, but... I thought you'd gone to the police. Uh, no, Miss Marlowe, I was too uneasy about you to leave here. Really, I'm able to take care of myself, Mr. Cranston. Quite a storm we've had. Yes. Say, here's something unusual. You know what it is? Well, it's some, some sort of tom-tom Mr. Williams brought back from Guatemala. A very special kind of tom-tom. This, uh... Bowl-shaped thing is part of a human skull. The membrane is a serpent skin. Well, what of it? They say if you beat on it in the correct rhythm, you can reach the soul of the listener and control it. Oh, what nonsense! <laughs> yes, but it might be amusing to see what we can do with this uh, this skull and snakeskin drum. Let's try. If you like. Oh, it's all in fun. I'll snap off the ceiling lights and uh, there. One dim light to help create the mood, and... Oh, um, let's move your chair back a foot. Like that. Well, that's interesting. You're not in front of the window anymore, and yet your shadow falls in the same place. <laughs> How strange. Listen. You're supposed to begin quite lightly, so as not to stir the soul of the hearer too deeply. Hear the tempo quicken? I wish you'd stop. What's the idea this far? Hush, don't get excited. Just listen. The idea is to lull the mind of the listener, to waken the soul, to bring both mind and soul under the power of the one who beats the drum. It's so silly. 
Of course, it's merely what we call hypnotism. Now, you're asleep, Enid Marlowe. You will sleep until I waken you. You'll not know that I've hypnotized you. You will sit here in this chair until the arrow breaks the window. Then you will rise. You will shriek in agony and then faint. You will shriek and faint. Shriek and faint. You will lie unconscious for five minutes. Five minutes. And then you will rise and walk past the window. Walk past the window. Past the window. Now, wake up, Miss Marlowe. Wake up. What? What are you saying? Well, you seem drowsy. I, I spoke to you. I'm not the least drowsy. Well, that's good. Now, uh, will you please excuse me for a few minutes? Get up the street quickly. I'd like to show Cranston and that stupid policeman this death machine of mine using a crossbow in this day and age to commit murder. No one would believe it. There she is. Enid's in her chair. I can see her shadow. My bow is aimed directly at it. Now to wind up the bowstring. Already. Now. I hit her. She fell. She's dead. Dead. <laughs> What's that? I thought I hoped. There's no one. Oh, yes, Howard Williams. I am here. Right at the foot of the tree. I can't see anything. I am the shadow. The shadow? I've heard of the shadow. Many criminals have. Criminals like you, Howard. Murderers. Uh, I saw you shoot that arrow that broke the window. Oh, you saw me do it, Shadow? You stood and watched me kill Enid? And you admit it? Why not? There's nothing you can do, even if you are human and could testify in a court. Because you're an accomplice. It's true, I didn't try to stop you. That's right. I didn't kill Enid. We killed Enid. You and I. Why did you do it? To get my grandfather's money. I thought he was poor. <laughs> that's what everyone thinks. But he owns land in the tropics that's worth $100,000. And only I know it. You killed Enid so that you could be the only heir? Yes, of course. And soon you plan to kill your grandfather? Yes. But suspicion will never fall on me. Why did you kill Ando? He tried to blackmail me and got what was coming to him. The police will think it was the Mariposas who got him, that they killed Enid trying to get at me. <laughs> I planned everything. You even wrote the police an anonymous warning, didn't you? I wanted them to hear about the Mariposas, the boogeyman that I invented. I'm safe, I tell you perfectly. Enid's dead. Yes, Enid's dead, Howard. Are you sure? What? Look at the window. See? It's Enid's ghost. No, oh, Enid's alive and well. No, that's impossible. It's the truth. Now, am I your accomplice, or will I dare to give you up? You think you've beaten me. I know where you must be standing, even if I can't see you. I'll, I'll shoot you. <laughs> you man, look out! Howard, don't try to move. I, I can't move. I slipped the arrows in my chest. Ah. He's dead. Pay for his crime with death. Well, yes, Lamont, but I don't see how Howard Williams could have fired that first arrow at Enid. He was right in the room with her. Well, Margot, 
that arrow was fired from a crossbow Howard had fastened up in a tree. It had an automatic timer on it. He set the timer in advance, and the arrow was shot off automatically. Well, I know, but that first arrow missed Enid. He meant it to. Howard wanted to build up his strange legend about the mariposas. Oh, incidentally, mariposa is the Spanish word for moth or butterfly. <laughs> That's all it means. Oh, but Lamont... Ando was killed when Howard was in a dead faint. No, Margot, he was acting. As soon as Enid dashed upstairs, Howard ran for the orchard to remove his bow. He met Ando and killed him. Then he dashed back and fainted all over again. <laughs> ironic, isn't it? What's ironic? His own dodge gave me the idea of how to fool him. I knew Howard wouldn't use the automatic timer when he tried to kill Enid. He'd shoot the arrow himself. So I moved her chair from in front of the window without changing the position of her shadow. Then I hypnotized her so that she would scream and faint when Howard shot. He thought he'd killed her, and he confessed. And now, you explain the mystery of how old Mr. Marlowe's door got locked and then unlocked. Well, Howard must have locked it just before the chest came. Well, that's my own guess, but when was it unlocked? Well, when you and I and the commissioner went into the orchard. And he must have hidden that boot there at the same time. Right. But why did Mr. Marlowe conceal the fact that he could walk? <laughs> because of something you wouldn't understand, Margot. Masculine pride. Really? Yes, Margot. Ben Marlowe can walk. But it's a pretty wobbly sort of walk, and he's a proud old guy. You mean that he was ashamed to be seen? Yes. He wanted to wait until he could walk in on Eden straight and quick and strong as ever. Well... I'll never understand men as long as I live. <laughs> now let me introduce Blue Coal's distinguished heating expert, John Buckley. Thank you, Ken Roberts, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. These wartime days, fuel conservation is so important that I feel we can't stress it too much. So I'm going to give you a few simple, easy-to-follow suggestions that will help you save a lot of coal. First of all, avoid excessive temperatures. An overheated house is bad for your health and hard on your pocketbook. It takes a lot more coal to keep your home at 77 degrees than at 70 degrees. Another thing, don't keep your garage as warm as your home. As a matter of fact, a temperature of 40 degrees is better for your car and a lot easier on your checkbook. And friends, if you believe in plenty of fresh air in your bedroom and keep the windows wide open, close the bedroom door tight. You'll avoid chilling the rest of the house and wasting coal to heat it up again. And if you have a sunroom, don't try to heat it. The large window area makes it too expensive to heat. But if you must heat it, equip it with storm windows and weather stripping to conserve coal. Finally, always close outside doors promptly. A little gossip by an open door will chill your house and waste coal. Now, folks, these are easy precautions to take, and it's surprising how they do save valuable fuel. I thank you. program is based on a story copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. 
Again next week, the shadow will demonstrate that... The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. Be sure to listen. This story produced by the DL&W Coal Company, distributors of Blue Coal. This is Mutual, 